Hello and welcome to another Thursday episode of the 905er podcast and this week's 905 Roundup. My name is Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. And uh, it's still election time and uh, we're, we're going to start off talking about something that came up in our episode yesterday and it's come up in a couple of other episodes really um, and that is um, and you know don't don't get us wrong. It's not about people not coming on to our podcast. It's about people not coming on to anything. Um, you know, uh, people can do what they mm. want with our podcast. It's, you know, we don't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, but when people don't turn up for anything at all, ever, anywhere, uh, I think that's another issue and one that we need to uh, discuss. So, so Joel, um, I mean, there's a really quite an interesting story with regard to the tr- uh, Catholic um, school board trustee candidates. Yeah, yeah we... Maybe maybe it's just something in the water here in Halton uh, we should be checking into. But um, there's a, there seems to be a, a fear amongst candidates running for public office to stand in front of the microphone and answer your questions. Um, we, had, we, we yeah, at our last episode we had a regional chair uh, candidate Andrea Grabantz, uh on to just she was the only, only literally the only one who showed up to the microphone. Uh, so she answered our questions, but in her, her competitors were, were nowhere to be seen. And that seems to be, that's not a one-off thing for this podcast. That just seems to be a, a, a feature of their campaigns. Uh, and this extends also into uh, a troubling thing with the, the trustee races, uh, which is again, it, a bit of an editorializing here. The, the trustees, or school board, whether it's Catholic or, or or public, they need to be scrutinized a lot more. These these are organizations that have huge amounts of real estate. They have huge amounts of uh, they have huge budgets that they oversee. They oversee massive amounts of a labor sections of labor force here uh, locally in your in your neighborhood. They are huge power brokers. Uh, whether they like it or not, and they need to be properly scrutinized uh, for the time being, because uh, they have they have that power. Um, however, at the Halton Catholic Board, um, something that keeps popping up in this podcast, there are trustees or candidates who are not interested in, in answering the public. Um, so, uh, that preamble done. The Ontario uh, uh, OECTA, the the union governing governing uh, elementary and secondary. Catholic teachers uh, in the in the province, the Halton chapter does a uh, a debate. They host a debate for people who show up who want to hear from their their trustee candidates and answer questions from the public. This year, that's not happening because uh, too many participants were backing out, uh, flat out saying no, they were not attending or they were uh, uh, just not responding to the invite, and so the the union had to cancel the debates uh, not necessarily going to point fingers here but it is a especially this year or, or this last term where there was such contention and such divisiveness in the board and there's so many there's so many uh, uh students teachers parents uh, that were just hurt by the actions that this board taken that there there's a real concerned interest in this year's elections it is insulting that we don't have public forums to 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 
critique and, and, and get to know the people that we're going to be electing to this. Um, and it's just, there's a trend of that, that happening of just people not showing up to public debates. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's just, it's a trend that's, you know, it started underneath the conservative party. Uh, I'll be honest. And has seemed to have filtered down into the municipal levels of our, of our electoral process. Uh, and this is a, this is a trend that we should all be very concerned about, regardless of your of your political leanings. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'd go so far as to say that, you know, um, well, in elections we depend on 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 the goodwill of organisations, whether they be unions, whether they be community groups, whether they be whatever, um, to organise debates. Um, uh, in Holton, we we are not well served by media. Um, you know, uh, trustee elections are even less well served. I cannot understand for me, for the life of me, um, why a candidate, when given an opportunity to speak the public to the public, would ever turn that down. And I will tell you right now, I will never vote for a candidate who has turned down the opportunity to speak at a debate. Never. Um, it is a disgrace to do that. It is incredibly hard to speak to the public as a candidate. There are fewer and fewer ways in which we can speak to the public. Um, you know, the last bastion or the last sort of tool that the politicians had in their podcast uh, to, to speak one-on-one -on -one with people was to knock on their door. Well, that's now going away because more and more people have cameras on their front doors and if they don't recognize who's knocking on the door, they're not answering. And that's their right. That's their perfect right. But, but you know, uh, the irony is it's very difficult to speak to people. You know, you can pay money to send leaflets that no one wants to read. Um, you can knock on the door and have a conversation that most people don't want to have. Um, you can, you know, and then people have the nerve to say that politicians don't listen. It's like, well, I would if, if, if I could get through to you. Um, I, I, I just want to clarify, Roland. Like, my beef isn't just the debates; it's these are candidates who are refusing to speak. And like, the yeah, fact in general, that we, yeah. that we didn't have Gary Carr or Jay McKenna, we extended an invitation with at the same time that we extended the invitation to to Andrea. Um, we don't hear from them. We've we've asked Jay McKenna on many a time to to discuss various issues back when she was MPP, and we and there was just a stone silence, and. Maybe this is us. Maybe this. Maybe there's a bit of hurt feelings here. Rolling out. <laughs> Who knows? Well, we've never. I mean, she, we've as MPP, she was under party orders to an extent. Um, you know, I'm getting uh, a question if that was the case. Well, yeah. I mean, all I can say is we've never spoken to anybody from the Progressive Conservative Party or the Conservative Party, and it's not for want of asking. And we. I will promise and I will swear on everything that is holy and unholy <laughs> that we will give a fair crack of the whip to to any conservative candidate now or in the future who comes onto the talk anybody who comes on this podcast for an interview will be treated respectfully they will be allowed to have their say and get their ideas across what are you scared of you know i can only conclude that you are so ashamed of what you have to say and so unconfident in in mm -hmm. defending those ideas uh, with any kind of ability whatsoever that you simply will not speak now the game of hiding candidates from the public is not a new one it's been around for decades and decades and probably centuries probably as long as 
However, it is now at an industrial, factory, bulletproof, military-grade avoidance level. You know, people don't just try and uh, steer clear of things. They, you know, the, the, the new MPP for Burlington, whose name I can't remember, um, because why would I remember it? Um, she's a non-person, as far as I can see. I mean, uh, somebody I spoke to recently said they'd actually met her. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know her name because she, she was complete, you know, beyond invisible as a candidate. That is, has nothing to do with the fact that they're conservatives and, and I'm, I'm not a conservative. Uh, it's to do with the complete contempt for the public that it shows. Uh, now, it's, I mean, Jane McKenna, okay, say, let's, let's say that she was under party orders in the past. The most fantastic thing I found about running municipally was the freedom it gave me to speak my mind on any subject for as long as I wanted, or as, for as long as, uh, as the good citizens of Burlington mm -hmm. were willing to tolerate me on their doorstep. Um, it was fantastic. It's like I'm free of that kind of party responsibility of uh, I've got to make sure I'm I'm saying what the party thinks and not what um, I think necessarily, you know. Um, and that's not about, I'm not saying that I was controlled or, or anything. I'm just saying that there's a collective responsibility when you're part of a political party. Jim McKenna's free of that now. I mean, how wonderful is that? You can go and speak and say, these are my ideas. These are the things that show what a fantastic uh, uh, chair of Halton I would be. And silence not even the decency to reply to us and give us the old lie that, oh, I'm sorry, I have a prior engagement. I don't I don't even know if it's necessarily that role. And I, I mean, I, I, I want to kind of bring it back to the Catholic trustee issue that we, we so if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, and if you're not, go take a deep dive into our, our back uh, catalog. We were very critical of the the past uh, uh, council for our board of trustees for the Halton Catholic School Board mostly because we found that they were, a number of them were obtuse, obstructionist, and uh, just didn't, would push, would not be open to the fact that they were on the losing side of an argument, um, particularly surrounding uh, raising raising of the pride flag uh, in June. That that was a long, a long, a long and painful argument that hurt a lot of people's feelings. And so the, needless to say, there are people who are, uh, I'm not going to go as far as militant, but they are definitely activists, and they are they are they are mobilizing and taking concerted action to make change in that board to prevent the same behavior from taking root again. That's a democracy. They have that right, and they have that that uh, that, that they they have that calling to to follow through in that. Um, we've reached out to two people in the past to say, "Come on to the po you know, podcast," or, or just we've been waiting to hear from people in various forums around around the re region and we don't hear from them they are silent um i went so far as you know we we on our twitter we we reached out to one of the the board the trustees who were was uh uh more, more notorious for being obstructionist on the council uh vince ian tomasi and because he tweeted support for uh italy's far right new uh prime minister who is very controversial and and we thought yeah you know what People might want to know that somebody running for elected office is in support of her, they, that they think she is the right person for the job in Italy uh, and, and whatnot. 
that kicked off a firestorm. We, we got plenty of beef from all sides uh, on that one on, on social media. And to the question that we wanted to pose to him was just, do you share in her anti-LGBTQ views as well as uh, her pro um, uh, her, her, her pro-life viewpoints? That, that was it. That was it. That, those are the questions we thought maybe her, your, your constituents would want to know what the answer to that. We asked on Twitter, maybe it was not the best form, but we have not received a word for that. We heard plenty of criticism on, on how dare we question uh, his Catholicity, which was never a question that we put forward. And quite frankly, I don't, I'm not asking for that. But the question of like, this is an issue that people might want to know. They might want to know what the answer to that is. And you, and again, that fear of the microphone, that fear of saying, I, I, I don't want to say what I truly think because yeah, your, your opinion might be in the minority, but here's the thing. You want a public office, you people deserve to know what you think on the, on these things. And if you don't want to answer that, say no comment and back away. It also points to a, to a, to another issue, and this is a longstanding one as well. That uh, Vince Ian Tomasi is probably fairly willing to give his opinions on, on a variety of things. Um, you know, I, I don't think probably his this is his opinions on on abortion or, or any secret. He's against it. Uh, you know, he he's uh, a devout Catholic and a devout Catholic of the conservative at the conservative end of the spectrum of of catholic uh, orthodoxy shall we say and that's his right that's fine uh what's not so fine is is you know it suggests to me that 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 the candidate basically this was being organized by a union the catholic school board trustee positions have become more and more uh the apparently the birthright of 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 some of the more right wing amongst us to the extent that um, the former chair, Jane Michaels, who ran for the PCs was seen as a moderate as the chair and yet was on the record saying some really quite um, <laughs> uh, things that were considered, you know, uh, pretty right wing um, by any standards. Um, and basically it's like, well, no, this is being organized by a union. So no, because we, you know, we hate the unions. And again, it's like, God damn it! You know the unions are usually only people who put the bloody work in to organise these debates. Really, are we going to say we we are so divided as a as a as a society that you can't go to uh, a debate organised by 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 something that all your teachers are part of, all the people that you're going to be working with day in day out? Uh, I'm mean, not all, but the vast majority. Um, you know, Oector is a key part of the education. Uh, and school picture um and if as a trustee you should be willing to to deal with oecta even if you're not a huge fan of of what unions do uh again it's like it's this division in society oh no no oecta the enemy not going um uh, not speaking to the enemy not engaging with the enemy not trying to persuade you know there's no attempt to persuade anymore it's like this is what i believe if you don't already agree with me then we have no business talking to each other right um and I can't accept that. I mean, it's just horrendous. Uh, if we're if we're, if we're going to push back from the the abyss, you know, the the fear fear amongst among a lot of people these days that our democracy is on 
is dying. We, we're our democracy, or not just in Canada or, or, or the region, but globally, the, the great Western democracies are on the decline. It's this. It's this. We, we, you can't be afraid of debate, and you can't, and, and you have to be willing to defend what you believe. And quite frankly, you have to be willing to to step up to the microphone if you want. I believe if you want to run for any kind of office, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to earn. The respect and the, the support of people from the get-go, right or left, you you need to step up to the microphone and say, "This is what I believe. This is what I think we need to do. These are the my priorities. And this is what I want to do. You give me power because I think this is what's going to. This is how we're going to fix the problems that we have. And you may you may there there you. It's not about finding the perfect candidate. It's about finding the least objectionable one, the one that you can say, "I can live with you in that position." for the next term. And if you succeed, you succeed. If you fail, you fail. But this instant suspicion must reign on all my decisions. It does not serve any of us, any democracy, right? And if you if you can't answer basic questions, then quite frankly, what right do you have to hold power over any of us? Whatever the level is, whether it's a, a, a municipal government, a school trust, a school board, or the the premier or prime minister, what right do you have to demand to ask us for our vote, our most precious commodity in democracy, the 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 the, the thing that that soldiers have fought and died for overseas to to preserve, and that minorities have bled on the streets of this country. To uh, to to be enfranchised with, to to give to have us give that to you, and you can't step to a microphone and answer a few questions. How dare you? Yeah, and it's like if you, if you certainly if you certainly in Burlington, I haven't driven to Oakville or Milton recently, but judging by the streets of Burlington, Jane McKenna is winning the sign war uh, on public, not on public land, on private land, but on private commercial land. Um, why would someone who's not speaking to anybody be so popular, do you think, that, that, that they would put up large signs along all the main thoroughfares on their commercially owned land? Now, who owns that land, I wonder? Well, goodness me, it's all the developers, isn't it? Well, so the developers, you know, again, this is all perfectly legitimate, but, and I wouldn't even mention that because it's all traditional and it's all been going on for centuries, um, you know, and we, you know, I def- jumped to Paul Sharma's defense the other week on exactly this issue that you're allowed to do that. Jane McKenna's allowed to do that. Um, however, when you will not speak to the public, you know, the one thing I will say for Paul Sharma is he will speak to anybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's he he is very vocal. You know, he, there are no. I I like I said, uh, yeah, repeat myself again. We're very different people, but I respect his willingness to always defend his position and to argue it forcefully and somewhat sometimes irritatingly. <laughs> but that's the way it's supposed to work, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's like the yeah. You know, there's a quote attributed to Voltaire that Voltaire didn't actually say, and it's like, oh, I'll uh, I, I disapprove of what you say, but I'll defend your right to say it to the death. I mean, it's it's, it's an old cliche, but it but it's really what it's about. I, I think it's like. Not only will these people not defend our right to set, to have an opinion, but basically view us as beneath contempt for having our view of the world. Um, 
they won't even let us know what their point of view is. Uh, mm -hmm. They're just, oh, I'm Jane McKenna. I used to be an MPP. Vote for me. And I'm picking on Jane McKenna because, well, she's the most visible example of this. But shame on the, the, the Catholic school board trustees for not turning up at a debate. It's really difficult to get coverage for school. But you, you know, it's, it's a tough thing you going for a school board job. Final, um, final, final word. If you can't answer our questions, you don't get the job. That's yeah. it. All right. Let's take a break on that. And we'll be back right after this. Okay. And we are back from the break. Um, so yeah, we're going to, we're going to take a trip back uh, out of Burlington and travel a bit down the, uh, the 403, the QW into lively old Hamilton where uh, that's, as I said once before, and I'll say it again, uh, Hamilton never ceases to amaze me. Uh, the, the fact that we, when the municipal election was first called, and the fact that the majority of the old uh, old, old council and the and Fred Eisberger uh, were not running, I thought, well, there goes the chance for a lively debate and discussion about policy, and it's going to be a uh, a boring old race. And then when Andrew Horvath declared her intention to seek the uh, the mayor's office, I thought, well, this is done. We're just going to see uh, Andrew that's, you know, moonwalk into the mayor's office and that's that um i am glad to say folks i was dead wrong on this uh through and through i'm i was pleasantly surprised to be wrong in this front um yeah well so what's what's happening in the, in the hamilton mayor race uh <laughs> well yeah i mean i think it's pretty clear that 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 it's a you know, it's a two or three way race, um, you know, um, and, and being a three way, a three, I mean, it's very difficult to tell in a world where there are no, you know, we always complain that polls don't mean anything or people often say that polls don't mean anything apart from the fact that all that you've got and we don't even have that in a municipal race. So we're all going on gut feelings and, and, you know, counting lawn signs, which is pretty useless. All I can say is counting lawn signs is between Loomis and Horvath in the parts of Hamilton that I've been to. Uh, and that includes some rural, not rural, but some suburban parts of Hamilton and some downtown parts of Hamilton. Um, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, there definitely if you go out Stony Creek Way, you're going to see a few more Bratina signs, but not many. You know, it's not overwhelming. Uh, and around where I am, I'd say I'd give the nod to, to Loomis. But but it's close with, with with Horvath right in there. Again, all I can say is this is the impression I'm getting. It's it's fake. We're, we're not taking sides. We're just trying to report what we've seen, and it's very insufficient and inadequate evidence. Uh, not pretending that this is telling anybody how the election's really going, but to the best of our ability to tell, Keenan Loomis and Andrea Horvath are the front runners right now could be completely wrong because we just don't know but but yeah as i said you know again you know social media really do we want to put too much faith in that uh, judging by that i i don't see the Bratina camp maintain the forefront are they likely to pick up a huge number of votes from older hamiltonians who are going purely on name recognition perhaps um who are more drawn to the uh, policies that Bratina is is um advocating Sure, maybe. Um, you know, I mean, just going on the candidates' own websites, which ultimately are, you know, 
that's their own words, unmitigated, un, unfiltered. Um, and all the candidates talk about accountability and housing, good stuff. Um, Tina is alone in really hammering the kind of law and order thing, and I kind of have a beef with that whole law and order thing, which which well, which comes up in municipal races because it's like you guys aren't the guys who are in charge of law and order. I mean, yes, kind of through the police services board, kind of, kind of, sort of, but not really. Um, uh, you know, my understanding of, of how police budgets are voted on at the municipal level is that they're not decided by the municipality. They're decided by the police services board on right. which council members are a component. Three council, you know, in Hamilton, there are three council members, three provincial members and one citizen. They set the budget. The council may vote on it at some point, but but get this, they're not actually legally allowed to vote against the budget. The budget is a rubber stamp. Um, so why in the hell would Bob Bertina talk about law and order when that ain't his responsibility? Well, here's, um, here's the thing with the law and order politician is I, I've always found that law and order politicians are the most cynical and laziest of all, 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 all politicians. You know, here, here's the, the deep, dark secret of, Can of Canadian politics at every level, municipal, provincial, and federal. Canada is a really safe place to live. Um, Crime rates typically are not that high. We we are we do not live in a cesspool of violence and criminality. It is not the case. Um, there, there is crime, uh, but it's we, we 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 just aren't. We don't live in a place where you, you're scared to leave your front door. At least you shouldn't be. Uh, there's no rational reason why you should be. Um, the criminality that does exist uh, in Hamilton. Uh, either is something far more than just hiring some beat cops are going to fix, or you're talking about you need to fix it through actual social programs, things like socialized housing, things like um, proper uh, mental health and, and, and substance abuse programs, those kinds of things. Throwing it, saying we're going to throw cops at it won't solve a thing. You're just you're hiring cops and saying, well, now fix every social ill that we have in society your your job is to do it on your shift that's not fair to a cop and it's not fair to the rest of us who say well these are complex issues that you need to you need to address um and here's the thing Bobertina knows this you know the, the conservatives when they preach the law and order ticket they know this it's a cynical view and they're just hoping well i can scare up a few people uh, to vote. The, the other... Scare the elderly, basically. Scare the yeah. older voters. You know, say that the enemy is at the gate. I mean, certainly the the, the text messages that Bettina has been sending out all across Hamilton, and indeed um, to people considerably outside Hamilton, as far as Nova Scotia, I've heard, uh, getting text messages saying, uh, ironically, going and now. I mean, this this in, in itself is indicative of something. Not going and after Andrea Horvath as the dangerous leftist. Mm -hmm. Not even mentioning Andrea Horvath, going after Keenan Loomis as the dangerous leftist, the communist uh, at the right. gates who must be stopped, you know, to to prevent Which... uh, uh, you know chaos and anarchy and whatever. And it's like you know, here, here's a guy, <laughs> here's a guy who, who, who you know, the main kind of dig at over the last while was like, well, didn't you just come from the uh, from the uh, from the Chamber of Commerce? I mean, how how much of a friend of the people are you going to be with that background? Uh, getting getting 
you know, what, as a candidate, it's always surprising what what ends up being the thing that people will throw at you. And I, mean, well, I know here, I had a couple that was like, "Really, that's the thing you're going to throw at me?" I didn't well, see here, that here, one coming. Here, but, yeah. Okay, let's 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 dive in. Let's dive into that notion uh, and pick that apart. So we're saying we don't really know who's the front runner, and I think you just answered the question, Roland, with that statement because. I honestly forgot that yeah, Bob Bertina is going after Keenan Loomis as the you know him him and his supporters are going after Keenan Loomis as a radical lefty communist socialist plot to up upend the social order in Hamilton if you elect him to mayor. Okay, but then let's go to the other other contender, Andrea Horvath. We know that Andrea Horvath is going hard against Keenan Loomis. Uh, we, we know. I mean, one of the things that caught our eye was on, again, on social media, um, a, a former uh, guest on this podcast, Laura Babcock, uh, is on, on her O show. Uh, she had on Andrew Horvath. That interview ha- has since become its own, <laughs> it, it, its own legend in its own right. Um, but Laura Babcock has come out and basically has endorsed Keenan Loomis uh, as her candidate of choice for mayor. Um like it or like it or not. So Andrew Horvath is in turn going after Laura Babcock, uh, outing her, you know, kind of calling her calling her by name in the Cable 14 uh, mayoral debate, and you know Laura Babcock is saying that her Andrea's supporters are coming after her on Twitter. I find it's interesting that both Andrea Horvath and Bob Bertina's people are going after Keenan Loomis as either inexperienced or too much of a radical lefty to be trusted with the mayorship. And again, I'm not from Hamilton. I don't care. You know, whoever's going to win is going to win. But I find it interesting that when both of your opponents are focusing on you as you're the problem, you're what needs to be taken care of. And we can't allow you to be, to, to win the seat. Something goes off my head and says, maybe there's more to look at this person than what I might've, I might've thought before. My, my attention is drawn to Keenan Lewis most because you have to say, why is it two, why are the two veteran elder statesmen of Hamilton politics, Andrew Horvath, former leader of the opposition, former leader of the NDP, a staple of Hamilton center and, and, and NDP politics in, uh, in Hamilton, Bob Bertina, former mayor, MP of Hamilton East Stony Creek, longtime uh, uh, politi- political staple of the Hamilton political scene, all going after Keenan Loomis, I question what's going on there. Uh, and, and the fact that, again, it's Hamilton politics. It's getting nasty. That's what Hamilton politics is about. <laughs> but it, I, It's getting personal. And it, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's disappointing when you see progressive going after progressive, basically. You know, and this, this is the thing that always disappoints me is, well, it always disappoints me, you, you know, if you can get a cigarette paper between the NDP and the Liberals most most weeks, you know you're lucky. They're both progressive centre left parties. Um, mm-hmm. I don't actually buy. I've never bought that the NDP are dangerous leftists, and I've never bought that the Liberals are just as bad as the Conservatives in the you know, in the normal run of things. And in fact, at various points, both have been on the other side of each other. Uh, indeed, even while Andrea Horvath was leader of the NDP, she ran on a campaign, she ran on a platform considerably to the right of a liberal candidate who then went on to win the premiership. Um, so, so all that stuff is like, we're all progressives. We're all trying to do a good thing here. 
let's try and behave like bloody human beings. Uh, we're not in, we're not going to endorse anybody. Um, we don't think it really fits with the way that we operate. However, I absolutely defend uh, 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 Laura's right to 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 uh, choose the candidate that she wants she wants to back. You know, just just like the Toronto Sun can do that, so can uh, uh, podcasters and 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 YouTube uh, channel. You know, you're allowed. You can do that. Uh, she's not hiding it. It's no secret. There's no secret agenda or anything like that. Yeah. Um, that's her right. Um, I mean, I would say it was much wiser for a candidate, certainly a candidate of the stature of Andrea Horvath, to just take it on the chin and move on. It's not going well, to be what decides it one way or the other. Here's the thing. You want to take out Keenan Loomis. Like, if you really want to take out Keenan Loomis, I don't think it's that hard. I really don't. I, I, he, he's a good enough guy, nice guy, has some interesting ideas. But you really want to take him out? Come on, it's a good policy plan. Like that's it. Like that, and that's that's been Andrea's Achilles heel this entire election. People have been saying, "What are you going to do, Andrea? Like, tell, tell where's the platform details?" Um, I mean, Bob, we were looking at Bob Bertina's platform before we came on. And he's got a whole, he's got a, a list of stuff on his on his website. You can like him or leave him. He actually does have a plan, folks. Uh, and I invite you to go vote Bertina.ca, take a look at it, and educate yourselves on what he would do. Um, there's some things about it that I find are hypocritical, uh, particularly Bob Bertina's stance on the LRT, considering that he resigned his seat as an MP federally over the federal government's funding of Hamilton's LRT project. And now he seems to be in favor of the LRT project and going as far as saying 30% of uh, new and refurbished housing along that route should be inclusionary uh, or inclusionary zoning. Uh, I, I, that, I find that an astounding about face um, for him, but so be it. The The other uh, issue that I, I, but the one thing I find shocking is that Andrea Horvath going after Laura Babcock for supporting Keenan Loomis. It, it seems a very amateur hour. You think somebody, you know, somebody of Andrew Horvath's experience and stature would know, like who cares? No, nobody goes after the editorial board of the Toronto Sun for supporting conservatives. Nobody goes after the Toronto star editorial board for supporting liberals. You just know it's going to happen and you say, okay, fine. That's your choice. Um, you only go like it, it seems, it seems like bullying. It seems petty and it seems shallow and it's something not becoming of any elected official. In my opinion, uh, you don't, you don't go after somebody for voicing their opinion. Uh, you don't go after somebody who, who, because you didn't win them over. And you don't, you don't, you turn, you don't turn a non-story into a story. You don't, you don't turn. Yeah. I mean, Laura Bradbill gets gets good numbers listening to her show, but we're dealing in the kind of new media world where, in a very fractured, you know, we're not. We're not CHCH. We're not, and I don't think Laura would claim to be either. Um, but. She's influential, absolutely. She's doing a great, great job over there, and uh, we, you know, congratulations to her for doing that. And uh, goodness me, I hope she keeps on doing it for a long time. But as a candidate, you don't turn something that that is really a non-issue and make it into an issue. Um, it, it wasn't necessary. It is amateur hour, um, and it's it's kind of nasty. And it's not, you know, really. You could have just said nothing. And like you say, talk about 
come out with a, I mean, and, and sure, I, I, I get the kind of irony of me saying this when I say, you know, come out with policy proposals because, you know, in many ways, no candidate for municipal office can actually come out with policy proposals because that's not the way local government works. I get that. However, you can come out with strong aspirations and the mayors in particular, the mayoral candidates in particular can come out with, you know, this is a key aspiration for my term in office. And yeah, there there is there is this stuff on Andrea's website as well. I mean, it's you know, there's good stuff here. There's there's um, I mean, I feel to an extent that Keenan has forced the other candidates to be better. You know, and the thing that he did that was best, and which is basically, you know, basically, outsiders who have not run for office before, do not generally succeed when they go for the for the top job. You know, it's like, you know, run, run for council. Uh, that would usually be the advice I would give someone if they asked it, if they thought my advice was any, worth anything, which they might well not. Um, but nevertheless, he got out early and he kind of dominated the field for about six months before the other guys got their acts together. And sure, you know, Andrea was still at the province at that time and she's leader of the opposition, for goodness sake, you know. Uh, but still, it... You know, it, he got out there. He did things the way you, you have to do in municipal policy if you're going to get in, out anywhere, which is like get out early, get your message out first. That is absolutely the most important thing you can do. And he did that, and he's turned himself into a credible candidate that the other two leading candidates seem to see as the threat because they're talking about him, not the other one. Mm -hmm. uh, that, yeah, I mean, it, it does speak volumes. I mean, it, I it's it's is it strong evidence? You know, maybe know we're all it, completely misreading this. Maybe I, they're I mean, completely it's not strong evidence. It. But I do say, like, where do people? Where are people talking about? And nobody is talking. I I don't think nobody anybody's talking about Bob Bertina. Like the only time I've talked about Bob Bertina or seen anybody talk about Bob Bertina is you, Roland, right now. That was it. <laughs> that, that was that was. That was when I, 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 I've seen anybody really talking about Bob or Tina about uh, in this election. Um, the, 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 to me, it, it is between Keenan Loomis and Andrea Horvath. And I'm not saying it's a shoe-in for Keenan, but my God, is he giving Andrea a run for her money? And I just, I find that it's, you know, I'm looking at how Andrea Horvath is running this campaign, and I say, like, this might be why she's not premier right now. Is that people again? We've 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 said this so many times on this podcast. This is it, like, and I'm going to beat this dead horse until it is dead, deader in the ground. <laughs> people want big ideas. People want bold. They they are tired of uh, uh, milk toast. Let's just you know, let's just shuffle the deck chairs around on the deck on the deck of the ship and call it a date. They want. They're tired. It has not worked. We have not seen government. Since I would, we, we talked about this the other day, Roland, you and I, we haven't seen government at any level of government do any, meaning, any meaningful policy or any meaningful actions since 1992, 1993, maybe. We, it's just, it's been this content, this content to just, okay, let's shuffle things around a bit. Let's see if we can budget, balance a budget. If we can, we can. If we can't, we can't. But let's just not piss off anyone and that's kind of worked so far but it's not working the system is falling apart on people things aren't getting done and we're looking at this 
and the people are getting fed up with it and they're looking for people who are coming in with bold ideas. They're, I want to see people with bold ideas get elected. If they don't follow through on it, fine. We turf them out. That's the system. They, they say they want to do it. If they can't get it done, you kick them out and you get somebody else in there who will get it done. And you keep doing that until change happens. And I find that Andrew Horvath is still that old school of thinking of undersell, overperform, except she has not had a chance to overperform because nobody's bought into what she's underselling so far. Uh, I, I just, yeah, and going back to the provincial election, you know, and I cannot say this obviously not, you know, my history is I volunteered for the Ontario Liberals for a decade and more. Uh, okay, so that's the, the background. Call me biased if you want, but I would promise every NDP listener to this podcast or every NDP sympathetic person who might listen to this podcast, every conservative who might listen to this podcast, I couldn't give less of a stuff about the Ontario Liberal Party or the Liberal Party of Canada or any party. I don't care about them. I joined the Liberals because where I lived, they were the organization with the best chance of getting a progressive candidate into parliament or into the legislature made sense where I lived right then and it was a good organization it was well and we damn well won I mean only once <laughs> but we, but we did um and you know uh and the federal level considerable more success but you know so I'm trying to make the case here again I don't care about the party stuff if you think that I have some liberal bias going on when I when I say what I'm about to say it's nothing to do with that um, and you don't know how I voted at the last election either. So, you know, um, the NDP platform, we went through all the platforms in the last election. Um, and I'm going to say right now, Stephen Del Duca was a horror show as a leader of the Ontario Liberals. But the platform was a good platform. Mm -hmm. um, it was, again, cigarette papers between it and the NDP and the Green thing. Basically, the, those three parties ran the same platform with a few differences. Of the three, the NDP one was by far the weakest. Um, there were things in there that were really just crazy off the wall, stupid, and you know, honestly, it had been written by certain unions. I mean, there was something about basically abolishing any private company from providing uh, like road surfaces, uh, road services and, and building uh, to, to municipalities. And I was like, what the frigging hell? I mean, this is, I mean, it's like, yeah, I know exactly where that came from, but it makes no flipping sense. Uh, there were other things in there which were just weak um, uh, 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 and lacking in detail. And it's like, seriously, after all this time, after being, you know, finally, you, you're in second place. You're the one people attend and going, please, God, you know, if we, we hate Doug Ford. We need you to come through. And you didn't. And it was really, it was weak. It was weak when you lost to Kathleen Wynne. Kathleen Wynne never should have been Premier of Ontario because the Ontario Liberals at that time were dying on their ass. And she, not only did she win, she got a majority because you completely misplayed that election. Like massively misplayed that, that election. But when, on that note, when Kathleen Wynne basically gave up in her last her last go as premier she literally said i give up i'm not i'm not going to win and you still yeah, could the open the goal you could put the puck in the net and every ndp here comes out and says, oh is that kathleen Wynne's fault it was kathleen's win fault why wasn't kathleen win the freaking premier <laughs> she had that much power why wouldn't she put herself in it, just, it made no sense and that's what we're coming down to again in this municipal election is that redundancy of like 
you got to have bold ideas. People have been are itching for it. They're, they want, they want to see like, what's the, what are you going to do differently? The number one issue is housing. People are worried their house, their housing uh, is becoming unaffordable. Rent is becoming unaffordable. They're not, they don't want an, an idea of, oh, I'm going to work with city council and we're going to come up with the best. Like, no, I don't want to know what that you're going to work on a plan. I want to know what your plan is now. Day one, you get elected, you're going to go in and say, we need to start working on this. What are you, what, like, what are you going to, how long, because how long is it going to take you to get a, a plan? A year to do consultations and, and all that other nonsense? Forget it. Nobody wants to hear about a consultation. Nobody wants to hear about another uh, chance for for developers and, and, and landlords and, and, and whoever else, tenant boards and tenant rights activists, all to get in and muck it up. People want action now. We've been waiting 30 years for progressive action, for governments to get this stuff done. And we're getting fed up with it. And I find that's why, again, I'm coming down to Keen Loomis, not because he's got the best ideas. I think some of his ideas are kind of weak, but he's the only one putting forward real credible ideas that seem to be out of the box. And people are saying, well, hell, he can't do any worse than the, than the previous guys. Let's give him a shot. Well, his campaign thus far hasn't insulted anybody's intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's far too rare a thing. You know, I mean, I've been watching the, some of the first time candidates in, in other municipalities. So in Burlington, um, in the ward I ran last time, Ward 2, which is the downtown ward in Burlington, uh, there's a couple of people running against um, Lisa Kearns. Lisa Kearns has been on the podcast. Lisa Kearns is the person who beat me. Um, and I'm really not going to talk about her or about that ward, but, you know, th- th- there's a guy running there. I can't remember what his name is. Um, don't really want to give him the publicity. He seems like a complete asshole. Um, and he's being so nasty and so petty, and he's trying to get Lisa Kearns reported to the commissioner of, I don't know, commissioner of baseball, I was going to say, uh, whatever the hell, the integrity commissioner, for releasing some piece of information that was completely boring and uninteresting and anybody could have predicted. And we want them to be open and public anyway, so don't report people when they actually do announce something that, that is a piece of information the public could do with. Don't be a hypocrite. And he's going after her because of all the buildings that were approved in 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 Burlington, as if as if you know the OLT doesn't exist, and as if you know a single councillor has the remotest bloody say in what gets approved in Burlington. Um, and and the point of mentioning him at all is not that his campaign is a piece of crap, although it is. Um, it's the fact that um. Uh, He's just not being honest about anything. And he's also not putting forward a platform of his own other than, oh, this person's terrible, vote for me. Um, uh, you know, and it's like, okay, he's a first-timer. You know, maybe, maybe he's just a moron. Um, then you look at Andrea Horvath and Bob Bratina. It's like, here's Bob Bratina doing a law and order thing, running for a job that has no bloody say in law and order. Uh, here's Andrea Horvath taking pot shots at somebody who runs a bloody podcast um for daring not to support her um uh, and doing this stuff about oh you weren't born in hamilton or you're not from hamilton or you haven't lived in hamilton long enough good god that is the lowest of the low you know so again this is not an endorsement for keenan loomis i'm just saying that he hasn't insulted our intelligence the way that the other two have with those two things alone um, you know, real amateur hour stuff. Amateur hour, like the guys in Burlington doing whatever the hell he's doing. 
um, you know, do better, people. I mean, I expect better from a first-time candidate. I certainly expect better from from uh, uh, people of the stature of Bob Bertino and Andrea Horvath. You know what? Let's uh, call it a day on on that one. Uh, thanks very much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back uh, Tuesday with more 905er. Bye-bye. <laughs>